So, hi Mavericks, Christian Roy here from Mavericks Unlimited and welcome to the first of our Maverick Spotlights. These are interviews we're going to be doing with some of our most inspirational favourite people to help you power up, to unleash your superpowers and create a world that works. And just so that you know, every interview with every Maverick, we're going to be asking the same 10 questions so we get all that juicy goodness from every person we speak to. And I'm really pleased to say that today we've got one of our favourite people on with us, Mr Mike Martin of Effect Partners. Uh, hi, Mike. How are you today? I'm great. How are you doing? Yeah, doing great. Thanks, Mike. Really, pl- really pleased to have you on. And uh, I can't think of a better person to start us off, really. So um, if what would be great, Mike, is just if you wouldn't mind just giving us a quick overview of who you are, what you do, and maybe a little bit of your background. Sure, of course. Uh, so uh, I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and uh, I run a company called Effect Partners. Effect Partners works at the intersection of culture and impact. So does that mean we help companies and celebrities that are committed to social change figure out how to use their platform to maximize their impact and their profits? So over the years, we've done a variety of projects, everything from creating the first ever national global warming campaign to helping Toyota launch the Prius and helping Apple develop their sustainability marketing strategies. Oh. Wow, that's pretty pretty impressive. And you've worked with some pretty big names in the in the music industry, haven't you? Yeah. So over the years, I've been fortunate enough to to work with a lot of the artists that are aware and want to have a, a huge impact and a change. We've done a lot of work with Jack Johnson, uh, with U2, Dave Matthews Band, Black Eyed Peas, um, Bon Iver. So it's a, a good. I feel very fortunate to have worked with some of these great groups. That's certainly a, certainly a very impressive list. So um, my, part of the reason why we wanted to talk to you was because one of the things that struck me when I first spoke to you was that you've always been driven by the, the want to create an impact. This kind of, obviously, climate change, the environment, sustainability has been a huge thing for you. So that, in our book, makes you a maverick, as it were. So I guess the first question is, from that point of view, what does the word maverick mean to you? Well, I think I think of Maverick. I think of somebody that's different, that's not a part of the herd, if you will. Somebody who's, you know, not willing to sort of just sort of do things as they have been, but sort of look and see how they could be. And so I've tried to live my career really. So for better and worse, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Not, not. I guess sticking out can definitely have its uh, its pros and its cons at times. But you know, that's that's kind of how we move forward, isn't it? So right. I think the expression of the pioneers get the arrows and the sellers get the land. I, I I can relate to, and I think a lot of mavericks probably can as well. I think that's probably true. I think that's probably true. So as you've gone across this journey, who have some of your influences been? Some of your heroes, and why? Well, you know, there's been a few uh, that have really inspired me and and I've really looked up to and actually have tried to uh, learn from them. And I've been fortunate that I've been able to actually, for many of them, have them become my mentors or, or work with them or their, their companies. So one is is Ben and Jerry from Ben and Jerry's. I mean, oh, I just wow. think both of them, I think they've just done such a brilliant job of... They came in and took a little ice cream company and mm-hmm. made it a major social change platform that has has truly changed the face of business. And then with the acquisition by Unilever, they've been able to actually influence Unilever, one of the world's largest companies. And wow. I alluded to the, the global warming campaign earlier, the, the Dave Matthews Band One Sweet World campaign that I did with them. 
And that actually led to Unilever really being a, a, a thought leader on um, sustainability and climate change globally. And so I, this little ice cream has, company has been able to truly change the world. And that came about through how Ben and Jerry looked at the world of, hey, you know, let's let's figure out uh, uh, a way that we can have a, an impact given the platform that we have. That's mm. they've been a huge inspiration. Another has been um, Jack Johnson. Truly, he's he has. I've never worked with somebody who's so positive, optimistic, um, has just a vision of hope and community mm-hmm. and uh, and love. I mean, and it's, it's one of these things where it's been great to see his career grow and, and uh, what he's done with that very um, selfless approach, but he has truly changed the face of the music industry. He's been at the forefront of requiring um, venues, promoters, festivals to go green. And that has has really huge ripple effects globally. Mm. And his all at once community has, has had um, you know, millions of people taking action, raised millions of dollars. Um, and I can't tell you how many artists and managers and handlers of artists have reached out to me that say, help us become more like Jack Johnson. And uh, so, uh, he, but he did this outside of how how artists typically would approach things. So I think those those are those are a couple. And I want to say, which I'm sure a lot of people would say, but Steve Jobs, and and I just feel that how he he completely revolutionized uh, how we we view um, uh, work and technology and and business and everything. And uh, and those it's really I think that all three of those for different reasons have been uh, mavericks or heroes of mine really that I look mm. up to and respect and 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 try to try to be even somewhat like them. Wow. I know, I know you did quite a lot of work with Apple on their, their sustainability policy. Did you ever have the chance to meet Steve Jobs, per chance? No, you know, I, I didn't. I was, uh, I, I, he had died by the time I joined the, the organization. So, uh, but certainly his spirit and energy and, uh, was there. You could feel it. I had an opportunity to work on that floor where he was. And so it was, it was, it was, it was an honor to, to, to be there and, and, and work with them. And I've been so impressed with how the company has put innovation as the mantra and everything revolves around that. And, and, and I was really inspired just by, you know, working in, in the halls for a while. So. Wow. Wow. That's, that's very cool. Um, one of the things that that we often come across is obviously there's all this big stuff that we all want to create and obviously you've done some big big stuff but obviously this comes down to how we work in the day you know how we actually you know the kind of daily routines we put in the kind of how we manage projects that kind of stuff so i'm just kind of curious what kind of daily habits do you have or what kind of routines do you have or what helps you kind of do the the kind of detail work each day that's an interesting question, yeah, because it really does boil down to the details, doesn't it, right? Absolutely, if, 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 right. I say that with my staff sometimes. Sometimes, you know, here we are off creating these projects and campaigns that are are really moving culture and affecting millions of people. But the reality is that the, the, the building blocks to that are individual details that very administrative sometimes and very pedestrian, but add up to the bigger picture. So mm-hmm. I, for me, it, it's an interesting um a battle because uh, I, I try to I, I tend to, to work pretty hard and so I have to force myself to take the space to nurture myself because I never um, naturally do that so 
what I aspire to do and what I, I do try to do in terms of there's some uh, self-care in terms of I meditate every day wow. and that, that line when the, the days I don't have time to meditate I meditate twice right that sort of, <laughs> that sort of approach um, yep. try to exercise every day uh, uh, if I can um, I, I eat healthy um, um, and then you know from a, a, a operational standpoint from actual work it's it's of course it's 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 the monitoring the the to-do list the prioritization and figuring out how to how to get um you know 20 hours of work done in a in a eight, 10 hour day right and <laughs> right everybody, right. And, right and everybody i know that's that's doing meaningful work has that challenge uh, but it's it's i think that the 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 tools of meditating exercises eating healthy trying to get a good night's sleep i think help to feed that effectively i find on days when i don't do those things i'm much less effective it's amazing isn't it i, re- I remember one of my meditation teachers a lady called sylvia borstein once saying she wrote a book called don't just do something sit there and i think yeah. that, <laughs> that, that kind of summed it all right. up for yeah. me right 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 but it's hard when you realize you've got Calls piling up and emails calling up and okay, I'm gonna take a quick 10-minute meditation break here. It's it's sort of counterintuitive, but uh, or a quick I'm gonna quickly go uh, run around the block, run on the lake, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's sometimes that's where the the biggest ideas happen and the solutions to sometimes problems that you've created uh, are, are fall into place. So when you're when you're under that kind of pressure and you know you know in your heart of hearts that kind of taking that step back is the right thing to do, but that that kind of pressure monster is pushing at you. How do you get yourself past that? How do you give yourself that time and space? I don't know that I'm necessarily great at it, but I guess if, I, <laughs> if I'm able to be self-aware enough and realize when I am, in fact, stuck, I, I've, there's some things I've actually I've found that really help. Literally, they go run around the lake. Well, sometimes, yeah, unstuck, unstuck me. And, and listen to music while I'm doing it. I have, you know, there's a few albums that just sort of, inspire me and I just sort of listen to that music and uh, music and uh, the company one of the companies I started was called Music Matters because music mattered so much to me and and, and, and that really uh, some people uh, really are moved by music and I am one of those people and so that, that can really get the juices flowing and can get me unstuck So you've completely preempted one of my later questions but I'm going to ask it to you now anyway. So you talk about music, what kind of music does inspire you, you know, what other I don't know, what other art inspires you, whether it's film, cinema, you know, visual art, what what kind of really inspires you? That's a good question, you know, um well, I was say the Beach Boys Pet Sounds album, believe it or not, is I just love that album because the music is so beautiful. Album. It's it's actually so complex if you listen to all the different components and what it did for the music industry. It opened a whole a whole genre of music, and so that's a, an album I listen to uh, a lot. Um, you know, I find that um, one of the um, uh, the things that inspire me, and you mentioned film, that that really. I used to be an investment banker on Wall Street, and wow. one of the things that that sort of veered me away from that was this movie from the early '80s called Koya Nascati, which is an amazing oh. film. Have you seen that? I have. It's an incredible yeah. film. It's amazing. You know, there's no words, just music and it's images, beautiful. and it tells a story more effectively than any story with words can tell uh, about life out of balance. And seeing that movie was a thing that got me started thinking about the environment and, and how could capitalism improve rather than hurt the environment. And that's really, and that came out in 1982, uh, wow. 83, I think it was, in that time frame, 84, somewhere in that time. And, and so that's sort of been uh, a, a main catalyst for me. And then there's other movies that have fueled that, which 
you know, Inconvenient Truth. I was actually one. Of the, I was in the audience when they were filming that. Oh, uh, and Food Inc. Um, some of those movies like that that really, really are able to take you know that with Michael Pollan's Omnivore's Dilemma. They will take these these concepts and make them, uh, you know, easily digestible and something the masses mm -hmm. can embrace. I think they're really powerful tools for change, and, and they've been big influences on me. These kind of docu-films have become a real thing, actually, these days, haven't you? Haven't yeah. They? They're huge. Yeah. So that that's kind of what inspires you in the kind of professional field. What's your kind of, you know, that kind of had a hard week, need to kind of chill out at the end of the night kind of thing? What What's your, your guilty pleasure, maybe? <laughs> My wife and I on Friday nights would generally go watch some stupid movie, you know, one of those things. <laughs> the, the, that 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 would be a probably a, a way that we uh, relax. And I've got my, my my family, my kids. I just they they are you know the paramount for me. And and I spend as much time with them as I possibly can. Although they're now getting old and going to college, so they're not really. <laughs> me, but you know, then there's the dog. So, right? Well, I'm sure I'm sure the dog's a great running companion. Yeah. Uh, Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay, well, let, let, let's come back to one of the things you uh, you were talking about was kind of going around the lake when you get stuck and all that kind of thing. I think one of the things I often see with Mavericks is this kind of notion of you know getting stuck, and it's like, what do you do when you get stuck? Now, obviously, there are lots of different causes for what that means, but other than kind of running around the lake, what are some of the other things you do to get unstuck? You know. Um... Many times it's a matter of uh, I'll process it through with my wife. I'll sometimes take a, um, take the time to you know, step back and I do some uh, some artwork sometimes, some painting, some sketching. I just start to like get other muscles in the brain working, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and try to. I've realized now that I'm getting really old that there's this uh, <laughs> this, this so old Mike, you know, the thought keeps bubbling up for me, which has been really. Uh, I've observed it, which I think is encouraging. I, I remember uh, for most of my life, I see a problem and I would get sort of really stressed out about it. I'm not going to find a solution. And recently, and I'll call this wisdom, uh, but uh, what's happened is that as I've been facing problems, I, I don't get stressed about it, I, even though I don't know the solution. I know that I will get the solution. And it's this sort of like belief of resolution and confidence of that it's going to be solved here. Yeah, which is, I don't know if that Ooh. makes sense, but that's oh, been yeah, a thing yeah. which has been really um, helpful uh, as, uh, you know, those, those I think we all get them, the wake up in the middle of the night, uh, oh, what about, you know, trying to solve this problem and this deal of, you know what, you're going to solve it, so go back to sleep, right? <laughs> and, which is not, <laughs> not necessarily uh, an approach that you have always had, but in the last several years, it's really uh, been, been helpful. I think uh, I think well. Number one, you're you're really not that old, Mike. <laughs> at, least, <laughs> at least if you are, then I'm getting really old, and I'm not not happy to accept that just yet. Um, but I think that that is kind of something that that kind of perspective that comes with age, right? And it's you know, I guess every maverick of every age has something to contribute, but there are certain things that only come with age and experience, and it sounds like that's one of them for you. Yeah, finally. <laughs> <laughs> so so okay let, let, let's kind of look back then to maybe some of those times when you didn't have that wisdom of it's going to get solved what's been and let's face it you've been involved in some really big things and you've had a very big vision uh which i'm really impressed with so i'm curious what has been kind of the biggest obstacle that you've faced in your career and your projects and your ventures 
Uh, and how how did you overcome it? Well, you know, I had uh, probably the biggest obstacle. I don't know if this fits what you're looking for, but it was a huge, huge thing for me is that my company was progressing along really quite well. I was just at uh, 3,000 people nationally distributing organic food samples. Wow. I had uh, I was greening the major tours, Dave Matthews, Jack Johnson, uh, U2, all these tours. I had a 25-person staff. It was really great. And what happened is um, I, I started, um, you know, my body started deteriorating rapidly where um, my, my whole left side went numb and, and wow. I, I ended up uh, getting severe insomnia. I ended up, uh, and ultimately I found out that I had, had uh, Lyme's disease, chronic, wow. chronic Lyme's disease, where I had actually lost my memory pretty much and it was a wow. real so i hear this company is going and i'm like I, I, I couldn't work and and so i i brought in a uh a president to run the company so i could go and get better once i found out what i had and uh, this person in a period of six months ran up a four hundred thousand dollar debt and um wow. basically I had I was faced with this this point of okay what do I do now, mm-hmm. uh, and I had to it was a, a the biggest obstacle I've ever faced and and what I I, I I chose to do was to really step back and look at what I had uh, what I could do what I couldn't do mm-hmm. where I wanted to go for the next chapter of my life and and I ultimately decided to uh, I needed to get better so I worked and I got myself mm-hmm. better uh, it took almost eighteen months but I did as I. I downsized my company and, and converted from a huge, uh, well, an agency, a small agency, into a uh, a small consultancy, which is Ooh. what I'm doing now. So there's just a, there's a few uh, just really, um, really amazing people on the on the team here, and um, and it's and it's but it's been a, a great uh, a, a solution to that problem. The um, the other thing is it caused me to have to completely revisit how I work. Uh, and back to your, your earlier question, uh, I used to, it was 120 miles per hour, seven days a week, you know, wow. approach. And sure. I just physically, because of Lyme's disease, I'm not able to do, to do it anymore. So I'm sort of forced to work, uh, I think, in a, try in a more uh, uh, abbreviated and more effective and a, a wiser way, basically. Mm. So it was a huge obstacle. Um, and uh, actually, it's been a, it's been a something where I, uh, I hope that nobody has to experience that. But it was, uh, I think everybody has some obstacle that they're faced with in some way. And uh, it's you know these things are never easy, but you got to manage through it and take, do what you can do with each each decision point that you're faced with. Wow, <laughs> those really are some pretty pretty huge challenges. But it sounds like you were able to kind of almost find a, a silver lining out of it almost or had to adapt as it were. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. I mean, I think it's, I, yeah, exactly. I think that's what's happened. I'm, I'm really happy with what I'm able to be doing right now. I feel very fortunate uh, to be in the place I am where, uh, uh, the industry calls on me for these, these, um, very unique, um, solutions and, and I'm able to provide them and, and have, have an impact. So that's, that's great. So that, that being the case, I mean, I, I find that really, really interesting. Because let's face it, in the West, we live in a very much in a culture of bigger, better, faster, more. And there you were with this kind of company of 3,000 people, kind of nationally, 120 miles an hour, seven days a week. And life kind of forced you to, to kind of change that and go 
in a different direction, as it were. So I'm kind of curious, what kind of, it, and it sounds like you've been able to keep on having an impact. So what difference has that made in terms of the impact you've been able to create? I'm not sure I understand your question. So uh, let me put it a different way. It's, it's rather than kind of going through like the, the huge kind of thing where you were kind of distributing organic stuff and, you know, mm -hmm. creating and, it, you know, moving towards the vision that you had one way, you've kind of had to go in a much yeah. smaller way, as it were. But, right. it's, but it still sounds like you've been able to have, and I know from, from some of the work you've done that you've still managed to have a huge impact. So yeah. Saying... Okay. I see what you're saying. I think that what I sort of did is refine the focus from, from the masses to distilling it down to the influencers, right? Where right. I've been able to really, so now I'm able to really work with the influencers who are, who are able to influence the masses rather than trying to connect with the masses. Right. And it's a, if that makes sense. And it's a, yeah. it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a very, um, uh, you know, more refined um, approach, uh, uh, I think, of how to do the work, which allows me to bring in the connections and the experience and, you know, the relationships and the, 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 the knowledge that I have to have the greatest impact. Mm. So really having those connections, having those influence, having that tribe is key to building your vision, as it were. Right. Yep, exactly. And I think that that uh, by having a more focused staff, a focused uh, mission for the organization, dropping off some of the experiential marketing aspects and some of the field work, it's allowed us to, to, to think, be more effective in, in globally. Cool. Very cool. So looking back then, if, well, actually, I kind of want to pick up the, the, the mentors thing. Um, maybe it's actually maybe it's from a mentor, maybe it's from someone else. But what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given by someone else? You know, that's interesting. I had um, an opportunity. I, the the TED conferences. I'm fortunate enough to go to those every year. I've gone for them ten years, and I was talking with Larry Page one from Google about what was it that uh, you know why how does he come up with the ideas? How do they? I mean, what Google's done. You think about all the. And what he said, it really has stuck with me, and, I, and, I've, and I've thought about that, and he said that his parents always encouraged him to always stay curious Ooh. and to just always question things and ask why, and that, which is, you know, it's just, but I think there's a lot of truth to that. And, and I realized in hindsight that's sort of how I've really approached things in, in that way too. Another thought, uh, which I remember a professor in college talking about, always approach the world with a sense of wonder. You know, and just, you know, and, and I think that that combination of curiosity and wonder are two key attributes of of what's necessary to, I think, um, you know, think uh, of things that are different from the herd. Almost kind of, I mean, the Buddhists have this kind of sent, um, concept, don't know, of beginner's mind, approaching things yes. with a beginner's mind. It sounds very much like a similar kind of thing for you. Right, exactly. I think that well, that's one of the things that, that I've always, um, my, my biggest frustrations that, and the thing that I always, you know, coach people on in my, even in my, in my own organization is don't ever say I'm doing it because that's the way it's always been done. 
right? You know, you, you never, that's one of my pet people. Why are you doing this thing which makes no sense? Well, that's because it's always been done that way, right? <laughs> right, right. right. And, and that's really, if I think back in the last, you know, 27 years that I've been, been um, you know, working to, to change the way business interacts with the environment, to change the way that we define profitability uh, in the world, it really is um, completely counterintuitive to, way, to the way capitalism was structured. Mm. Uh, but it is completely uh, intuitive and makes perfect sense if you look at the macro picture of the world and the reality of, of the sustainability of the planet and the health of the people mm. on the planet. Something that, <laughs> let's face it, is going to be part of the agenda for generations to come yet. Yeah, so. there is, yes. So that being the case, I mean, talking of generations, I mean, obviously right now we're in the place where the millennials are just beginning to, or are in the workplace and becoming the biggest part of the workforce, but then Gen Z behind them are coming up as well. Mm-hmm. If, uh, talking of wisdom, if you were able to give any piece of advice or wisdom to a maverick just starting out, what would it be? Well, don't accept things as they are, number one. Uh, and a lot of millennials and Gen Zs are doing that, I believe, uh, which is great and encouraging. The other thing, which is really silly and simple, but it just drives me crazy, is that they do not pick up the phone and call people. It has to be <laughs> it's just a simple thing. But to be, and did you reach out to someone? Oh, yeah. Well, what did they say? Oh, I didn't talk to them. I, you know, there's, but I guess that's you know, the, the digital generation. Is that they're much more comfortable with that, but I do think that still decisions, emotions uh, play a huge part in relationships. Um, need to be deeper than um, knowing somebody's email address. Why, why, why call Mike when you can text someone? Surely, I know, I know exactly. And you know, and I'm, this is probably going to seem like I'm the old fogey out in the yard in the rocking chair, but I really, that feels really uh, like a valid point of of uh, success for somebody in this world you got to be able to have the relationships and the trust the authenticity and the integrity that i think can only be built up sometimes by by connection uh, doesn't necessarily have to be in person but you know i think phone at least uh, it, it did i think that, that just texting and, and emailing is is um is short sight i appreciate when you and i talk we you know, there's a video connect, so at least there's so there's some human connection. It's just deeper than just a phone call, just the audio. Sure, sure. As they say, I can see the whites of your eyes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or a bloodshot. <laughs> so, okay, that that that's kind of the the millennials and the Gen Zs, as it were. But if you were looking back now and you were able to say go back and give your 17 year old self some life advice whether it's maverick or not what advice would you give your your 17 year old self right the first thing would be to buy stock in apple right <laughs> right right right. <laughs> right you know 10 years 15 years after when it came out but that, that but uh, seriously I, th- I think that this this notion i alluded to earlier about um the 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 confidence to solve the problems to realize that there's uh, if you are able to um, allow your internal wisdom to to um, to happen, that solutions will come together. And I think sometimes over the years, I have um, I tend to uh, iterate. And this is a thing which I've noticed with, the, I guess, the Mavericks that I've 
been fortunate enough to work with and some of the celebrities, some of these business leaders I've alluded to, is there there's this there's this iteration where it's like t- taking a, a, a diamond and turning it over and over and looking at it every facet and iterating it over and over and over. And I think that there's there's merit to that, but I think it can be overdone. And I think part of it is this this idea of stepping back and allowing the universal wisdom to sort of bubble up, I think is a thing which I wish that I would have picked up on uh, earlier, Ooh. you know, 40 years ago. So <laughs> I hear you on that one. And I think one of, the, one of the things, I mean, when you're talking about internal wisdom, universal wisdom, um, I use the word intuition a lot for that. And I assume we're talking about the same thing. Yes, in that. right. So, and that can be a hard thing to do. So what was it that allowed you to kind of, or if you were going back to give your 17-year-old self advice, say, this is how to best use your universal wisdom, what would it be? That's a really good question, which I, 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 I wish I had a really clear answer on that. Uh, the, for me, what happens is sometimes it's the, um, it is the quieting of the mind. It's the meditation. It's the, right. it's the actually feeling your feet on the ground. It's looking at the trees. It's being in nature. It's that sort of thing, you know. And I think that that's a, that's a, uh, um, how I've been able to describe it. It's, you know, for some people, it's what the what your gut says, right? It's what for some people, it's what your heart says, right? Mm-hmm. For some people, it's what bubbles up in your head, and you know, I think it's all connected. Uh, and it's the more you can, you can sort of be one container the more you're able to uh, have success in that cool thanks that i mean you are you're absolutely right um just coming on to our, our kind of final question then mm-hmm. um and, and i think it's poss- possibly a little bit moot with you because we we've kind of heard a little bit about your mission but if there was one thing that you could change about the world or the people in the world what would it be and how would you go about doing it what would be the first step well i've realized it's sort of what i've been doing and and it's right. in this this whole idea of externalities right how can we so many problems in the world uh, come about because of the rules of capitalism and the way that they were written as it was developed which allowed and encouraged companies to be able to produce their products and their services and without necessarily looking at the impact of the generation of those profits on society in a negative sense, mm. right? This positive sense, of course. I, I'm a capitalist, believe me, but I, I'm not. But I, I, but I think that I'm also I'm also into what's fair. And to me, right. it doesn't seem fair that uh, Exxon Mobil can put, you know, billions of tons of CO2 in the air, which causes climate change and global warming, and there's not one penny on their balance sheet to deal with the CO2 remediation. Right. That doesn't make sense to me, you know. Um, Procter & Gamble putting four billion orange tie bottles into communities and then making the communities pay for disposing of that. Why is that not recorded in their, mm. in their financial statements? You start to look at every product and service that's offered. You start to look at what's the true cost of that product. Um, and you know, I think that if every business leader had to and did approach their operating their business with looking at the true cost, that think of how different the world would be and think about how more sustainable the world would be and think about how more fair and just the world would be. You know, there would not be any plastic water bottles around, you know, there would, uh, there would be, 
uh, climate change wouldn't exist. The urban sprawl wouldn't exist. You wouldn't have um, a lot of the uh, uh, the water battles we're having. There's uh, there wouldn't be plastic in the ocean. There, I mean, you start thinking through the 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 way the world would be different. Um, and again, it's a it will never get solved in my lifetime. Uh, but I think that it's possible to create a uh, um, perhaps a um, a structure and an awareness, and particularly for the millennials and the Gen Zs and so forth, who see what's happening, and see it was painful to hear them say was, uh, what uh, my generation has done to destroy the planet. Uh, you know, is which is it's wow. but it's, it's true, right? You know, because I, mean, I feel like I've done my part to try to undo that, but it is true, and it's. It's not like any one person is wrong. I mean, the CEO of ExxonMobil is playing by the rules that they've been given. Right. But again, it's just not fair, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Like, and and I think that that's really capitalism. Ultimately, needs needs to uh, for it to really long term be sustainable and viable and successful it needs to be fair. Absolutely. I guess one of the things about this is, and it's part of the reason I think brought us together is we can't solve this alone right so maybe if we can bring our people together bring our tribe together and you know ultimately influence even through the spending power on our pockets that's going to lead us kind of towards the right direction as it were i really think so and that brings us back to why i've chosen on the path of culture and impact is that i feel the culture and not that i agree with this but the reality is that more people are following cultural icons that are following scientists and politicians and business leaders and i think that that's culture is a high leverage point to be able to really ultimately create true meaningful change because a change only happens as awareness happens and awareness leads ultimately to action wow one of the things i'm taking away from this mike is that that thing you've from what you just said and also what you were saying earlier about overcoming the obstacles that you did is that point of focus it's like, mm -hmm. as mavericks, we can't be all things to all people. We can't solve every problem there is. We can't do everything there is. But if we can come to that point of focus and sort of like hammer that as much as we can, that's what creates impact, literally. Right. That's a really good point. I totally agree with that. Uh, it's it's a thing that the analogy I always use is when I, I created this campaign that stopped a $20 billion hydroelectric project and there were 200 different groups that have been fighting this for 15 years and they were wow. never able to break through and we created a a series of concerts at the beacon theater in new york and then a bike tour that connected all these nonprofit groups and it was a unified campaign and it was the band of damn jam and it ended up breaking the issue open in the media and ultimately ended up leading to the dam being canceled that was an environmental disaster and an economic disaster and a human rights disaster and the image i always came up with with that is that idea if you've got a, a board with a hundred nails in it and you take a piece of paper and try to put it through it it won't go through it but when we hit with one nail one campaign when you with everybody working together the paper goes through wow. the nail and that's that's sort of the the image that I have with a lot of the work that we do, and, and I think uh, the you know the maverick notion of getting people working together and unifying is is really critical uh, because there's, there's a lot of resources are piled up against some of these notions. So it's uh, it's exciting. I appreciate the work you guys are doing to to bring a group of people together with uh, similar beliefs. 
Thanks, Mike. And just, I, I have to say, thank you for being our, our first interviewee. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, there's just, I can't wait to go back and have a look at this, actually, because there's so much wisdom and so much good stuff in there. Um, just thank you so much for, for agreeing to be our first uh, interviewee. And thank you for your time today. Of course, mate. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Cool. Thanks. Thanks.